From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The U.S. and its allies line up more sanctions on Russia as atrocities in Ukraine grow. Stocks sell off after hawkish minutes from the Federal Reserve. And we'll tell you which company's surging on news of a $4 billion stake from Warren Buffett. The rate of major crimes in New York City is up. Plus, it's confirmation day for Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson. I'm Mike LeBar. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. Second half comeback by the Nets to beat the Knicks. The Masters tees off today, and the Mets open their season in Washington. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Hey, good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And S&P futures are higher this morning. It is coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about 13 points. Dow futures up 36. And NASDAQ futures up 76. So futures are strengthening this morning. The DAX in Germany is up about six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds. Yield 2.57%. They yield on the two-year 2.43%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1% or 91 cents at $97.12 a barrel. The euro, 1.0893 against the dollar. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have more on the markets in a minute. First, the latest on the war and more evidence of atrocities against civilians in Ukraine. The U.S. and its allies are lining up more sanctions on Russia. Amy Morris has more from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. These new sanctions target two of Russia's biggest banks and Vladimir Putin's adult daughters. Chatham House associate fellow Katerina Wolchuk tells Bloomberg Television, Russia was the 11th largest economy in the world, so there are consequences beyond Russia's borders. What the West now really reckons with is the fact that we have very extensive interdependence with Russia, with Russian sort of financial institutions, with Russian banks, but specifically energy as well. And European foreign ministers are likely to discuss an oil embargo on Russia when they meet next week. Ukraine's foreign minister pleaded for more weapons during a NATO meeting in Brussels. The mayor of Mariupol says more than 5,000 civilians have been killed in his city. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, another note on the war. It looks like the United Nations General Assembly could end up suspending Russia from the Human Rights Council. The council plans a vote on the matter later today. On the days after the war began, Karen, the Russian ruble collapsed. Sanctions on Moscow sank it to a record low of 121 per dollar. Things looked so dire, President Biden said the ruble had been reduced to rubble. But now the ruble has surged all the way back to where it was before Putin invaded Ukraine. Right now, trading at about 78 per dollar. 
And we're seeing fallout this morning from one company's exit from Russia, Nathan. Shares of Shell are down 1% in early trading. The oil giant said its withdrawal from the country will result in 4 to $5 billion of impairments. Shell also warns that price volatility in the first quarter could hit cash flow. All right, let's shift to the economy and markets back here in the U.S. now, Karen. Investors are still working through the Fed's plan to pair its balance sheet by more than $1 trillion a year while also hiking interest rates. Let's get more live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, the plan is spelled out in the just-released minutes of the Fed's March meeting. Many officials viewed one or more half-point interest rate increases as possibly appropriate going forward. That's if the rate of inflation doesn't come down. They also propose shrinking the central bank's balance sheet in line with market expectations. Michael Sheldon at Hightower RDM Financial Group says the Fed has been down this road before. They also, unfortunately, have a poor track record of of raising rates too aggressively and causing a downturn in the economy. And that's what I think investors are getting kind of jittery about right now. Michael Sheldon of RDM worries the central bank could slow growth more than it intends. Bloomberg Economics says the Fed minutes show noticeably more alarm about recent inflation developments. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, stocks in Asia slid overnight, hitting a three-week low, and there's concern a rapid rise in U.S. interest rates could hit growth and hurt earnings. Let me get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Selly in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index lost as much as 1.3% for a third day of declines, led by tech shares in Japan and Taiwan. Stocks in Hong Kong and China fell while the one weekend as officials once again signaled they intend to loosen policy amid the COVID outbreak and property market woes. A Bloomberg intelligence gauge tracking Macau casino stocks fell more than 3% as a number of third-party casinos could end their gaming operations in Macau. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Back here in the U.S. A big name in PCs is getting a boost from a big name on Wall Street. Shares of HP are surging nearly 15% on word of an investment from Warren Buffett. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway bought a stake in HP valued at more than $4.2 billion. The stock was purchased in multiple transactions this week, and a regulatory filing shows Berkshire now holds about 121 million shares of HP. Berkshire has historically shied away from technology investments, but it's leaned further into that sector in recent years. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Turning to the pandemic now, there's concern about a potential rise in new COVID cases, and that has FDA advisors worried about vaccine plans. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The advisors say the FDA should be developing a consistent standard for vaccines as new variants emerge. They say the odds are roughly 20% of another Omicron-like event in the next 12 months. NIH Director Dr. Anthony Fauci on Bloomberg's Balance of Power with David Weston says it will depend on a number of things. Hopefully there's enough background immunity so that we don't wind up with a lot of hospitalizations. The best way to avoid that is to get more people vaccinated and boosted in San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Ed. There's word of a big name in finance with COVID this morning. Christine Lagarde says she's tested positive. The European Central Bank president says her symptoms are reasonably mild and won't have impact on the operations of the ECB. 
Well, another impact we're seeing from the pandemic, Nathan, brings us to the housing market. A new report by real estate research firm Adam Data Solutions shows home prices in some of the country's priciest neighborhoods staying somewhat subdued. Upscale suburbs of Washington, D.C. and wealthy New York towns are among the markets with the slowest price appreciation. The findings show the spread of remote work during the pandemic has allowed many people to opt for living somewhere more affordable. Your latest local headlines, check us sports all straight ahead. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 607 on Wall Street, 46 degrees in Central Park. we got a crash on the southbound Harlem River Drive by 125th. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Major crime in New York City rose by 36.5% in March from a year ago, despite Mayor Eric Adams' efforts to reduce the spike of incidents that have persisted since the pandemic began. The NYPD says citywide shooting incidents increased by more than 16% in NYPD commission. While there is no doubt that we face challenges and reversing years will not take weeks, the NYPD remains steadfast in its vision, plan, and commitment to the residents, businesses, and visitors to this city. Commissioner Sewell says the number of homicides fell by almost 16% from a year ago. Robberies rose by more than 48% and burglaries jumped by 40%. The Senate will vote on final confirmation of President Biden's Supreme Court nominee, Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, this afternoon. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer made the announcement on the floor last night. First and foremost, we have reached an agreement for the Senate to conclude the confirmation process of Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. Jackson would become the first black woman to sit on the nation's highest court. The House voted to hold two former top Trump administration officials in contempt of Congress for defying subpoenas from the committee investigating the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Committee Chair Benny Thompson. We asked the individuals, subpoenaed them to come before the committee, and they chose not to come, and therefore they broke the law. And that's why we are here today. Representative Benny Thompson says the near-party line vote sends the contempt resolution for Dan Scavino and Peter Navarro for referral to the Justice Department for possible prosecution. The Postal Reform Act is now law. President Biden says the legislation guarantees that the mail will continue to be delivered six days a week. The bill increases transparency by requiring the Postal Service to develop online an, an online public dashboard updated weekly with local and national service performance data. President Biden says Congress voted to end a law that forced the post office to put aside billions for future retirees' health care. They'll now take Medicare instead. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. All right, Nathan. Knicks and Nets set the garden. First half was all Knicks. They had a 19 to nothing run. They led at one point by 21. But the Nets, who are not exactly known for their defense, held the Knicks in the second half to 31 points. They had scored 38 in the second quarter. The Nets scored 38 in the fourth. They won 110-98. Kevin Durant scored 32 points and had a triple-double. Obviously, every game is important for us. and Not just in the standings, but for us to to build on what we want to do out there um, and I think the first half we didn't we didn't play Nets brand of basketball stuff that we preach about and execute and practice every day but I thought the second half you know 
is who we are. The KD mentioned the standings. The Nets in a battle with Cleveland and Atlanta to finish seventh. That means one win at home and you can advance. Rangers host Pittsburgh tonight. That could be a playoff preview. Well, the Yankee opener at the stadium, but the Red Sox was moved to tomorrow. The Mets opener in Washington is on. Despite some rain forecast in D.C., they did push the start from 4 o'clock back to 7. The Mets hope to have Jacob DeGrom on the mound for the opener. If not him, then Max Scherzer. Instead, it's Tyler McGill. DeGrom may not pitch until June due to a shoulder injury. Scherzer's got a tight hamstring, is expected to make his Mets debut tomorrow against his old team. Well, Tiger Woods is surprisingly in the Masters field. Phil Mickelson is not missing his first Masters since 1994, three-time champ, taking time off. He was criticized for his disparaging remarks about the PGA Tour. The Masters says Mickelson was invited, and it was his decision not to play. Bloomberg Radio with hourly Masters updates starting today and the Masters Tonight Show at 11. John Stash Edward, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thank you. S&P futures uh, gaining strength now, up 12 points. Dow futures up 32. NASDAQ futures higher by 74 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds. The yield, 2.58% yield on the two-year, 2.43. NYMEX crude up 1.2%, up $1.17 at $97.40 a barrel. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and markets are showing signs of stabilizing as traders step in after a sell-off sparked by the Federal Reserve's hawkish tilt. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 12 points. Dow futures down up 30. NASDAQ futures also higher, up 75. The DAX in Germany is up about six-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 2.57 percent. They yield on the two-year 2.43 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.2 percent, up $1.12 at $97.30. Five cents a barrel. Comex gold is up four tenths percent, or seven dollars sixty cents, at nineteen thirty seventy an ounce. The euro one point oh eight nine six against the dollar. British pound one point three zero eight zero. The yen is at one twenty three point seven three. And Bitcoin, it's uh, lower, down about one percent at forty three thousand four hundred fifty dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, Karen, thank you very much. The United Nations General Assembly is set to vote today on whether to suspend. Russia from the Human Rights Council. President Joe Biden accused the Kremlin's forces of committing major war crimes in Ukraine. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. The Mets are at the Nationals. The Yankees Red Sox opener in New York has been postponed because of the weather. In the NBA, the Nets beat the Knicks 110-98. The Celtics won. The Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals won. In golf round, one of the Masters begins today. Tiger Woods is back in the field 14 months after a devastating car crash. Stay tuned for updates every hour on Bloomberg Radio and a special edition of Masters Tonight coming up at 11 p.m. Eastern. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It is 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. As we continue our coverage of the war 
in Ukraine and the sanctions pressure on Russia. We're joined once again by Bloomberg News Senior Reporter for International Affairs, Mark Champion. Mark, good as always to have you with us this morning. I know you've been monitoring the NATO foreign minister's meeting in Brussels. It sounds like Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, has been really putting pressure on for more support for his country. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's a recognition in Ukraine that, uh, you know, that, that sanctions are all well and good, and they, they're pushing very hard for heavier sanctions on Russia. Um, but in the very short term uh, on the battlefield, the thing that really makes the difference is weapons. And uh, the, the Ukrainians have sort of need to scale up if they're going to start taking uh, territory back. So they'll need more than uh, light weapons. They'll need heavier stuff. Um, you know, stuff that makes them mobile, tanks, et cetera, um, and better air defenses. So there's a there's a big shopping list there. Is there any indication from NATO that it's sounding open to that idea? It has been resistant up to now to bringing in some of those heavier weapons, particularly in the air. Uh, yes, it has. And, uh, you know, it, some of that remains. There are, you know, important, uh, you know, worries about bringing things like, uh, you know, um, airplanes into into Ukrainian airspace from NATO airspace uh, in terms of how that would be uh, viewed by Russia. But at the same time, you're starting to see some kinds of weapons that, you know, weren't um, being considered before the uh, the UK is uh, uh, looking at uh, sending uh, armored vehicles now, uh, and the US was just a couple of days ago said that it would uh, help with the uh, renovation of uh, uh, Soviet-designed tanks to be sent into uh, Ukraine. So there is some movement uh, in those terms, but really the, the the issue for the Ukrainians is the sheer speed and scale of supply that they would need. We're also, uh, sorry, Mark, we're also seeing some reporting just across the Bloomberg terminal of potential hurdles when it comes to European sanctions on Russia. There's this push for a coal import ban, but uh, sources are telling us that there may be a split between Poland and Germany when it comes to how to phase in this ban. Uh, Germany's pushing to uh, wait until August for uh, coal imports to be embargoed. How unified is the European Union at this point when it comes to sanctioning Russian energy? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, this is business as usual for the EU. Uh, and the speed with which, you know, uh, previous sanctions were agreed to, um, was actually quite unusual. Uh, so, you know, it, as, as usual, what happens is that the, the commission will propose, uh, a set of sanctions and that gets reported and then it has to be decided by, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the member states. And there's a lot of them who have very different situations and interests. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Germany in particular gets a lot of its coal from Russia, um, and it will need to find ways to supplant that. Uh, and at the moment, given that Russia, um, Germany has, is in the middle of the phasing out the last of its nuclear, uh, energy, uh, you know, it has few alternatives and natural gas is one of them. And that's just as, as problematic because most of that comes from Russia. 
Yeah, you raise an interesting point there when you say uh, that it did come as a bit of a surprise when we got that initial announcement on the coal ban coming so quickly. If we are starting to see these hurdles here, Mark, what does that mean for potentially sanctions later on down the line on Russian oil and gas? There had been some thought that maybe that they would be sanctioned later on. Does that push the timeline back further? You know, uh, the, the oil and gas were always going to be very difficult, and they still are very difficult. Um, you know, it, it, it would have been inconceivable just a few weeks ago. It's now uh, under discussion. So that already is, um, you know, quite a, a move. But uh, I think, you know, coal is doable, and uh, they'll get there. There'll be a negotiation about how long it takes, um, you know, in terms of uh, the phase-in. Uh, oil and gas, uh, I think, will be a much tougher discuss- discussion. But uh, wouldn't, you can't rule anything out at this point because this conflict has changed so many deeply entrenched positions already. Mark Champion, Bloomberg News Senior Reporter for International Affairs. As always, thanks for the update on what's happening in the war in Ukraine and particularly uh, the sanctions debate continuing in Europe. Looking ahead to the market open on Wall Street. Futures are moving higher. We have S&P futures up 13 and a half points now. Dow futures up 35. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 78 points. And the 10-year Treasury up 530 seconds. The yield 2.57%. Just ahead, the ruble comes back from the rubble. And Warren Buffett sends a tech stock surging. Top stories of the morning just ahead. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors. Challenging times call for proactive advisors who help minimize taxes, increase cash flow, and create opportunities for the future of your business. Visit Anshin.com. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 0.83% to 1.83%. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, the United Nations General Assembly votes today on whether to suspend Russia from the Human Rights Council. A key NATO meeting focused on the war is also underway in Brussels. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo is there and reports you. Ukraine's foreign minister is asking NATO for more weapons. The Ukrainian foreign minister said the time for the reassurance is over. It's very clear for Ukraine. They've had a big reality check on this. The NATO is not going to fight this war on the ground. But he says at this point, what we need is big weapons. So the focus uh, from the Ukrainian foreign minister is to walk away, walk out from this meeting with a clear pledge from NATO that we are now going to see heavy tanks, potentially also missiles. He wants to come out of this meeting with a clear signal from them that he will get it. And Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says Ukraine is also calling out Germany specifically, saying the country has been too slow to help. In the meantime, in financial markets, Karen, the Russian ruble has made a comeback, trading at levels seen before the war began right now at about 79 per dollar. 
And we shift to the economy now, Nathan, and markets here in the U.S. Investors are still working through the Fed's plan to pair its balance sheet while also hiking interest rates. We get the details live with the Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, minutes from the Fed's March meeting show a hawkish tilt. Officials were focused on tamping down inflation and outlined plans to pair their balance sheet by more than a trillion dollars a year. It's raising concern about whether the central bank can engineer a soft landing for the economy. Many who attended the March meeting also viewed one or more half-point rate increases as possibly appropriate going forward. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. And John, a commodity call from J.P. Morgan's also making news. The firm says commodities could surge as much as 40%. That's if investors boost raw material allocations as a hedge against inflation. Well, shares of HP are surging almost 15% this morning, Nathan. The move comes on word of an investment by Warren Buffett. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway bought a stake in HP valued at more than $4.2 billion. The stock was purchased in multiple transactions this week, and Berkshire now holds about 121 million shares of HP. Now, Berkshire has historically shied away from technology investments, but it's leaned further into the sector in recent years. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 46 degrees in Central Park. we got a new crash on the southbound Harlem River Drive at 135th. Details coming up in traffic first. Michael Barr, what else is going on in New York and around the world? Thank you, Nathan. Major crime in New York City rose by 36.5% in March from a year ago, despite Mayor Eric Adams' efforts to reduce the spike of incidents. The NYPD says citywide shooting incidents increased by 16.2%. NYPD Commissioner Keechan Sewell says, though, there are some positives. We are arresting record numbers of people for shootings and homicides, and we're clearing more cases, helping to deliver justice to victims. So far this year, the NYPD has made 335 arrests linked to murders and non-fatal shootings, considerably more than the 257 such arrests made by this time last year. Commissioner Sewell says the number of homicides fell 15.8% from a year ago. The Senate is expected to confirm Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson today. It will secure her place as the first black woman on the high court. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. It will be a joyous day. Joyous for the Senate. Joyous for the Supreme Court. Joyous. For America. Senator Schumer says three Republican senators have said that they will support Jackson, who would replace Justice Stephen Breyer when he retires this summer. The House voted to hold two former Trump aides, Peter Navarro and Dan Scavino, in contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with a panel investigating the Capitol attack. Committee Chairman Representative Benny Thompson. If they were a father, a mother, a sister, a brother, uh, had children, if they break the law, they break the law. No one's above the law. Representative Thompson says the near-party line vote will send the criminal referrals for Navarro and Scavino to the Justice Department for possible prosecution. The top medical advisor to President Joe Biden says a surge in COVID-19 cases is likely toward the end of the year and warns the U.S. will run out of tests and antiviral drugs if more funding is not provided. Dr. Anthony Fauci spoke with Bloomberg's David Weston. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to see an uptick in cases, and hopefully there's enough background immunity so that we don't wind up with a lot of hospitalizations. The immunity to COVID and SARS-CoV-2 
is something that wanes over a period of months. So that's the wild card in this. Dr. Fauci also made a case for a second vaccine booster. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. No secret, the Knicks wanted to sign Kevin Durant a few years ago, maybe because they can't beat him. Durant's career record versus the Knicks is 20-3. and Hasn't lost to them since 2013 when he played for Oklahoma City. KD is a free agent, of course. Chose the Nets over the Knicks and at the Garden. He put on a show, 32 points, 23 in the second half, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Nets came from 21 down to win 110-98. And if they win their last two games, they finish 7th in the East, which means they'll need to win just one home game to move into the first round. Their coach, Steve Nash. Now we need our best effort. And I think sometimes that that is a, a difficult kind of mix of, of emotions and physical and mental exhaustion that we have to weather here for a little bit. But, uh, you know, nights like tonight can help us kind of freshen up and feel that belief again. It was the second huge MSG comeback by the Nets. They had an earlier win from 28 down. That was without Durant. And without Kyrie Irving. Opening day, there are seven games. Not the Yankees and Red Sox at the stadium. That was postponed until tomorrow. The Mets opener in Washington was moved from 4 o'clock to 7. First game of the year, Wrigley Field. The Braves today hoist their championship banner in Atlanta. Shohei Otani will be on the mound tonight for the Angels. It'll be Cleveland's first ever game known as the Guardians. The Masters tees off today. All eyes on Tiger Woods. There are others, like Scotty Scheffler. He's the hottest golfer, now ranked number one. He tees off just before 11 this morning. Dustin Johnson... Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, they all play this afternoon. Hourly updates on Bloomberg Radio and the wrap-up show tonight at 11. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Creedy Gupta. Obviously, one of the big movers this morning, Creedy, is HP. Are we seeing any spillover for tech we are seeing a little bit of spillover for tech, but keep in mind, yesterday was a horrible day for tech. You had uh, the Nasdaq down almost 3% at one point uh, during the session. What's interesting here is that this has nothing to do with the rebound that you might be seeing in some of those other tech stocks. Let's start there, though. Let's hit macro first and start there with Tesla. I mean, this has been a name in the news given Elon Musk's addition to the Twitter board. TSLA is your ticker. It did actually take quite a hit yesterday. So this is taking a rebound here up 2.1% here in the pre-market. A similar story when it comes to those chip stocks, which also were taking quite the hit yesterday. A lot of that had to do with simply the rises in that 10-year yield that you were seeing, once again, higher yield, uh, especially by that margin, a 10 or 17 basis point move, which is what we saw in the last two days. That is going to hit those heavy-valued uh, semiconductor stocks, for example, or those heavy uh, hitters in the S&P 500 as well. So AMD, for example, uh, coming back this morning, 1.4%. Facebook as well, FB up 1.3%. NVIDIA, which was the big mover yesterday, NVDA up some 1.2%. But you mentioned HP, which really is, to your point, the big mover. HPQ is your ticker. A big warning out there, there are two tickers for HP. HPQ is the one that is actually making the laptops and the printers. HPE is their kind of spun out business that does a little bit more enterprise uh, computing, but it's HPQ those are that are rising quite a bit after Lazarunita reported earlier. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway bought a stake in the laptop maker valued at more than $4.2 billion. So you are sh- seeing those shares rise some 15% of the pre-market. Nathan, HPQ, 
is the ticker. Yeah, it certainly has been the one to watch this morning. But outside of Tech Creedy, what are you looking at? Well, two other uh, big movers here, and it looks like it's all coming off of the busy bees at Wells Fargo here. Uh, Levi Strauss, <laughs> for example, LEVI is your ticker. Uh, it is actually up in the in the pre-market after it said revenue during the most recent quarter increased 22% to $1.6 billion. Wells Fargo, the aforementioned busy bee I was talking about, said the comments about a strong first quarter and good momentum in March should help dispel those investor concerns. I think it's that backing that's also helping those Levi Strauss shares in the pre-market. You've also got Wayfair here once again. Again, a function of a Wells Fargo downgrade. The ticker is just the letter W, down 4%. The firm uh, downgrading it to an underweight from an equal weight. In a note, that's turning a little bit more cautious on housing-impacted retailers. That housing boom we saw in the last two years maybe uh, losing a little bit of momentum there, Nathan. Someone who knows from busy bees. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta. Thanks for being with us, as always, in the pre-market. And looking at stocks as a whole, before things get going in the cash market on this Thursday morning, S&P futures are up 12 points. Dow futures up 30. NASDAQ futures up 68 points. The 10-year Treasury is higher as well by 3.30 seconds. The yield down to 2.58%. And the yield on the two-year, 243 Still seeing a surge in commodities with NYMEX crude up one and three quarters percent, $97.91 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, scattered showers and storms today, low 50s for highs. Mix of sun and clouds tomorrow, chance for another shower, low 60s. Can't rule out an isolated afternoon shower on Saturday, upper 50s. Right now, 46 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures are moving higher this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. Modest gains in the U.S. futures right now. Dow futures up 27 points. SBs gain 11, while NASDAQ futures are higher by 65. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.58%. Gold is little changed. Oil trading higher, but Bitcoin is down by 1.2%. Japan fell 1.7% overnight, while European markets are in the green this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, initial jobless claims. After the balance night, analog devices saw sales at the high end of the forecast. And regarding earnings this morning, look for Constellation Brands to report in the pre-market. In other news, Berkshire Hathaway added a new $4.2 billion HP stake. And the FT report that Meta is exploring a virtual currency for the metaverse. Wrapping things up, Ford was cut to equate over at Barclays. AutoNation was raised to overweight over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ukraine is appealing to NATO for more weapons in its fight against Russia to help prevent further atrocities like those reported in the city of Bucha. It comes as the U.S. Senate will vote today on ending normal trade relations with Russia and banning the importation of its oil. It is opening day in Major League Baseball. 
the Mets are at the Nationals. The Yankees-Red Sox opener in New York has been postponed because of the weather. In the NBA, the Nets beat the Knicks 110-98. The Celtics won. The Wizards lost in the NHL. The Capitals won. In golf, round one of the Masters begins today. Tiger Woods is back in the field 14 months after a devastating car crash. Stay tuned for updates every hour on Bloomberg Radio and a special edition of Masters Tonight coming up at 11 p.m. Eastern. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. Leaving. I'm Jonathan Bernstein, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Back in January, there was a huge party imbalance in House retirements, with 18 Democrats and only four Republicans heading for the exits without seeking another office. That's what one would expect during an election cycle in which just about everyone expects Republicans to win the House majority. But perhaps that was misleading. With two Republicans announcing this week that they won't seek re-election, six of the last 11 retirements were Republicans. So while it's possible things could change at the last minute, perhaps the biggest development since January is something that didn't happen, a flood of Democrats exiting. Without that, the number of Democrats leaving is quite moderate for a redistricting cycle. It's hard to see the overall retirement story as signaling a collapse of Democratic resources for the 2022 elections. To be sure, if Joe Biden remains unpopular, Democrats will suffer in November, and perhaps badly. But if not, I'm not seeing any strong evidence of an already built-in Republican landslide. I'm Jonathan Bernstein. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready engineers in more than 20 fields. If it's engineering, it's at NJIT. Learn more at NJIT.edu. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. More than two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, U.S. health officials are beginning to grapple with how to keep the vaccines updated to best protect Americans from the ever-changing coronavirus. Yesterday, a panel of vaccine advisors to the FDA spent hours debating key questions for revamping the shots and conducting future booster campaigns. They did not reach any firm conclusions. Boeing is hiring the three biggest U.S. cloud computing companies, Amazon.com, Microsoft, and Alphabet's Google, to help with a digital makeover aimed at giving its airplane designers and software developers more tools. Boeing plans to shift hundreds of applications to the cloud where they'll be stored and maintained in the tech giant's data centers. And a first in the National Football League, Bitcoin Magazine says the Tennessee Titans will become the first NFL team to accept Bitcoin as payment. The Titans join teams like Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics and the NBA's Sacramento Kings and Dallas Mavericks in accepting Bitcoin. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. I'm still stuck on Bitcoin Magazine. I didn't know that was a thing. Thanks, Karen. We'll get you a subscription. Oh, thank you for that. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is now 6.52 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include new sanctions on Putin's daughters and Russia's two largest banks, COVID funding stalled in the Senate over a fight on border policy, and Speaker Pelosi planning a visit to Taiwan, the first such trip in 
a quarter century. Let's bring back Bloomberg government uh, congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick for more on all these stories, uh, beginning, of course, with the latest sanctions. Jack, when we think about Putin's daughters, is this anything more than symbolic? Well, this is, I guess, more minor than the the main thrust of sanctions. You know, there had been talk for so long about targeting Putin and his family uh, because he could be hiding wealth uh, in, in places where it's hard to find, targeting oligarchs. But really, the focus has shifted to broader sanctions, essentially to try to just deny the Russian government the resources it needs to maintain the war overall. So this is the kind of thing... I'll, a lot of people had talked about for a while, uh, but it, it definitely pales in comparison uh, to when it comes to the importance to the conversations with European allies about any further move away from oil and gas purchases, for example, from Russia. Uh, it's, it may not be symbolic, but it is much smaller than the other sanctions we've heard about. Yeah, obviously, the uh, oil and gas sector is something that's really been a focus. What more could the U.S. be looking at when it comes to ratcheting up further uh, sanctions pressure on Russia? Well, you know, for one, they can continue to try to uh, make sure there's no escaping the sanctions that have already been in place. I, I would also point out uh, there is a, a bill that's being introduced, a bipartisan bill by Senators Ron Wyden and Rob Portman that would, uh, one, actually ensure that U.S. companies currently paying taxes in Russia would lose any American tax benefits, uh, which is sort of a, a roundabout way of ensuring that any pullout of American private interests in Russia that hasn't already happened uh, would happen further. So there, there are bits and pieces, uh, but again, the unilateral issues for the U.S. are limited, uh, and a lot of the focus is more on Europe and, and, of course, big countries, including China and India, ensuring they don't establish any more of an economic relationship with Russia. Well, let's keep the focus on Capitol Hill, Jack, because there's been a debate in the Senate on uh, new COVID funding. It's less than what President Biden wanted. And now we're hearing that it may be stalled indefinitely. Yeah, well, at first it's less than half of what the White House wanted. They're talking about a $10 billion bill uh, compared to a, a request originally for $22.5 billion. They got into a big fight over whether and how to pay for it. They ultimately agreed on some offsets pulling back unspent money from previous stimulus packages. Uh, but then this Title 42 debate uh, is where they ran into trouble. Title 42 is the policy as a CDC pandemic-era policy that allowed officials to send away migrants and asylum seekers at the border uh, much faster than usual. So sort of a pandemic immigration policy that President Biden uh, just recently decided to end. There's a lot of Republican and some Democratic pushback to that. Republicans said, if you want a vote uh, in the Senate on this $10 billion COVID package, we want an amendment vote on a measure that would block this Title 42 decision. Uh, and they have stalled entirely. They're, they're set to leave later today for a two-week recess. It does not appear uh, even possible for them to vote on this, so that uh, the prospects for that have been delayed uh, at least for a few weeks now. In our last minute here, Jack, speaking of the recess, we're hearing that uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, on her Asian trip uh, during the break is going to be making a stop in Taiwan. 
Yes, uh, they play these things close to the chest, but there's reporting from the Fuji News Network uh, that Pelosi is expected to arrive in Taiwan on Sunday. That would be a, a really significant trip. One, uh, no speaker since Newt Gingrich has traveled to Taiwan. This would uh, rankle uh, China, to say the least. The, an official from China's foreign ministry said there would be consequences. They would want to push back on the U.S. as much as possible. Uh, it seems to already have ratcheted up the rhetoric despite no confirmation from Pelosi's office yet. And uh, certainly uh, coming at a very difficult time when the U.S. is uh, trying to put some pressure on China to do more uh, in influencing Russia in the war in Ukraine. Jack Fitzpatrick of Bloomberg Government, thanks as always for being with us. You can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And as a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. Tune into Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures right now up 10 points. Dow futures up 18. NASDAQ futures are higher by 58 points. The futures market's pointing to a higher open on this Thursday morning, the day after the Fed minutes spelled out the balance sheet unwind for the central bank. The 10-year Treasury now up one thirty second with a yield 2.59% yield on the two-year 2.43. NYMEX crude up 1.6%, up $1.51 at $97.72 a barrel. Bitcoin down 1.1%, $43,400. Bloomberg Surveillance up next with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.